Oh, Afghanistan, save us from Babylon. Yeah, they can take your name away. Can they take us too? It shows Reuters photojournalist Namir Noradan, driver Saeed Chamath, and several others gunned down by U.S. military in a public square in eastern Baghdad. Pilots apparently mistook the camera carried by a newsman for a weapon. Come on, fire! After the initial shooting, an unarmed group of adults and children in a minivan arrived on the scene and attempted to transport the wounded. The van was fired upon as well. Come on! WikiLeaks showed photographs of the children in the van who survived. We can infer that these sort of attacks are going on in Afghanistan. But this is the reality of modern warfare. Oh, Afghanistan, save us from Babylon. The real reason that I think Americans are going to be concerned is that there that is that there is no prospect that the mission for which their sons and daughters are being sent can be accomplished. Let me go. Get me to go. Just release. Get me to be released. Uh, I would recommend halting the surge. Uh, and a rather rapid withdrawal of a significant part of the U.S. forces that have been sent into Afghanistan over the last year. I want to go home. You know, the, the men, Afghanistan men, who are in our prisons, they want to go home too. Oh, Afghanistan, save us from Babylon. If they can take your name away, can they take us too? Yes, they do. Tuesday, April 27th, 2010, and you've got Oz in your ears. I'm your host, Peter Bergman. My co-host, David Osman. Hiya, Pete. Oh, what a day obscured by all of the uh, trash and debris from... Well, no, wait a minute. i got to pronounce it for everybody there. This is a real service. Uh, yeah, okay. Ejafjala Jokul. This is the Icelandic volcano that's... Oh, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Destroying the economy of small African countries, I've just heard. Well, first of all, the name is so long. By the time you say, there's a problem with Ejafjala Jokul, you're already covered with lava. Uh, There you go. You're (laughs) ash, like one of those Pompeian dogs, right? Your little, little body surrounded by ash. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I took a look. At, I was up on the, on the internet, and they had this like you know thermo picture of it spreading all over the place, you know. And it's amazing. It's like it, this little this little volcano in Iceland is now threatening all of Europe and most of Asia. Well, you know, it just just goes to show, but the the Earth has got a problem here with us. Okay, it's been shaking like crazy. Oh, I know. The newspaper is going to say, it was a very average year for 6.9 earthquakes. We've had 27. And we always have 27 every year, and don't worry about it. Nothing, But it's been shaking in places which, you know, where people live, you know. Earthquakes have been seeking out where people actually live and have very flimsy houses. Yes. It's yes. the same thing as tornadoes and, and uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and those parks where they have those tin cans that you know, mobile homes that... Uh, well, that tornadoes, tornadoes, really tornadoes, like. well, tornadoes consider mobile homes to be sushi. 
Yeah, they suck them right up. They sure. just they love them they love them dearly. Well, think what you're going to do with a mud hut if you're living five thousand feet underground and got the shakes. You know what I mean? What are you going to do now? Now there's all the story about how it's of course it's it's disrupting airlines and it's disrupting um, economies and it's still it's still burning. But here's something I picked up in a USA Today okay. of all places, McNewspaper. Okay, right? It says, however, and they're quoting Science Fair the. A Fajalakajokal uh, uh, volcano isn't necessarily the main problem. No, it's its pronounceable sister, Katla. Oh. Katla, I- Iceland's noisier neighbor, that's the concern. If lava flowing from melts the glaciers that holds down the top of Katla, then Katla could blow its top, pumping gigantic amounts of ash into the atmosphere. The potential eruption of Iceland's volcano. Volcano Kotla could send the world, including the USA, into an extended deep freeze. Oh, my. my. There's no telling how long the eruption may last. Ladies and gentlemen, you will have to stay at home for the rest of the year. We're very sorry about this, and uh, airline traffic, of course, uh, will be disrupted, but you will be staying home this year, and uh, that's all you can do because we're under a big black cloud. There's nothing like the end of the world. There's nothing like the end of the world to give you a sense of perspective. That's right. That's right. Slow you right down. You know. Yeah, and, and I did. No, nobody else picked this up. I mean, we've had nuclear wow. winter, so to speak. I think mm. twice in the planet's history. You know, when these big volcanoes go off and they shut out the sun and everything dies, even frankenfood. You know, they, they don't have any frankenfood that says, "Well, this corn will grow even during nuclear winter." They're going to have to think about that. I'm sure you saw the story about the meteorites that uh, struck over what was it Oklahoma and the guy went the guy saw him, oh, they coming down look at that he got in a truck with his boy and they drove down highway 19 after that uh, that uh, that uh, meteorite they drove off track guy gets down he where he thinks it is and uh, and the farmer says Are you interested in this he's got a little lot b- bigger than a nickel just a tiny bit of a, a tiny bit of meteoroid and he says is this what you're looking for and he pays him two hundred dollars for it Goes right, goes right back home. You're not going to say where it is, but he doesn't want a lot of people out there hunting meteoroids, you know? It's just amazing out there. And he, he doesn't know what he got. So well, he, he could have gotten hit on the head with the dang thing, you know? I mean, uh, what a meteoroids sur- search out out there in the world. Did they ever come through your roof? No, they don't, they don't get the mobile homes. Hey, meteoroids, they come on this. I hate that cactus. I'm going to get me that cactus. Bang, you know, out there in the middle of nowhere. Well, that's my disaster news for the day. Excuse me. I'll go leave the room now. There's other disasters on the horizon. Oh, poor Erskine Bowles. You see, Obama has put him in charge of this committee that's going to sit down and figure out how to balance the budget. Well, according to some quotes in The Gray Lady, he knew he had uh, his task in hand when he told his 90-year-old mother that, about his new appointment. She was very proud of him. Then she said, Don't mess with my Medicare. Well, you see, under Obama's budget plan, the plan that exists today, the USA's debt in 2020 will be nearly the size of the entire economy then. Ooh, there's a problem. Interest costs would be $900 billion five times today's level. Well, Quote, to avoid large and unsustainable budget deficits, what do you mean to avoid? We've already got them. The nation will ultimately have to choose among higher taxes, modifications to entitlement programs such as Social Security and Medicare, less spending on everything else from education to defense, or some combination of the above. This quote from Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke. 
So far this fiscal year, the debt held by the public, not including money the government owes itself, whatever that means, is 58% of the U.S. economy. That's bad, but it's not as bad as, say, Italy, where their debt is 113% of the annual economy, which is shrinking. I mean, you know, you got, like, cars that hardly work that are real good-looking, nice furniture and pasta and tourism. It's not enough. Japan's debt is 105% of the economy. Britain, France, and Germany are somewhere between 62% and 70%. So at 58%, we're looking good, i.e. everybody is in big trouble. Healthcare costs are soaring. Medicare and Medicaid will cost more than $800 billion this year. By 2020, they'll cost $1.5 trillion. Sounds like a lot of money, but from where I'm coming from, it's not a problem if it's really making people healthy so they can go back to work or stay at work rather than, you know, being sick at home or taking care of people who are sick at home. So here's some of their options. Raising Medicare's eligibility rate from 65 to 67 would save $86 billion over 10 years. That's not a good idea. Well, for those next two years, you got to like suffer between being 65 and 67. I went on Medicare at 65. Let me tell you, it's a godsend. They could raise the premium for doctor's bills from 25% to 35%. That'll save $217 billion. But that's peanuts compared to what the Treasury Department projects Medicare will owe over the next 75 years. $38 trillion! Solutions are more readily available for Social Security, which costs $715 billion this year. It's going to raise to $1.2 trillion in 2020. Well, there are certain savings that are available that don't include hurting people or making them sick. There's like canceling the F-35 jet fighter would save $42 billion over 10 years, and we'd never miss it. Reversing the Army's projected troop increase would save $92 billion. We could save a whole lot more if we just got out of Iraq and Afghanistan, came home and kind of like uh, uh, took on a defensive posture or maybe helped uh, uh, enlarge the United Nations police force. United Nations, one world government. We have one world, but we don't have any government. Well, there is another another opportunity. We could slash highway funding to shore up the Highway Trust Fund, which helped pays for repair. That would save $107 billion. And then, of course, we'd all be driving into potholes so deep, we'd end up in China, where most of our money is anyway. No, no, I have a solution for balancing the budget. It's called soak the rich. We need the dough, easy. Soak the rich, soak them good. Some loaded playboy wants to buy a $400,000 Ferrari, fine. Slap a $100,000 luxury tax on that Italian chick magnet. Another four hundred grand ain't gonna stop him. You don't like it? He can drive my 97 Toyota Camry. Some Botox bimbo won't give it up unless her sugar daddy lays a 10-carat dazzler on her. No problemo. Slap another million on that blood diamond and let the games begin. You're Mr. Smart Guy Insider, speculating on gold, euros, pig bellies, orphans' tears. Go for it. Day trade until you're blue on the butt. But we're going to take away 95% of your useless profits. Hey, Mr. CEO, getting a boner over your $50 million bonus? Congrats. And look at this. We're putting 48 back into the public coffers. You think you can squeak by with that measly two mil? Warren Buffett, the multi-billionaire, says he's not paying his fair share of taxes. Don't worry, Warren. Help is on the way. Bill Gates is worth $20 billion. 
unreal. He earns $250 every second. In the four seconds it takes him to pick up a $1,000 bill off the sidewalk, he's doubled his money. Soak the bugger! Offshore accounts, a trillion dollars worth of tax evasion. Pull the plug on them. Tell those bogus bankers in Cyprus, Liechtenstein, Malta, Macau, and the Seashells that we are taking them out. Drop a ton of Korean counterfeit hundreds on them with a voice balloon coming out of Ben Franklin saying, vacate the premises immediately or you bullshit artists our history. Then reroute some predators from Afghanistan and put a missile up their ass. Yeah, the meek are going to inherit the earth if we can stop the rich from contesting the will. Feel like you're drinking from a half-empty dribble glass. Haunted by the bull you buried in the basement. See yourself standing at the wrong end of the cheese stamp line. Face it. It's not worth saving the kind of money you're losing. It's time to cup our strong hand under the hole in your pocket. Let it go. Hand it over. Submit. To boom, dot, bust. Flown in on a broom. Swept out with the dust. Doom, bot, dust. A user-friendly, randomly managed, ethically indifferent cash vacuum. From U.S. Whatgate Plus.
Let's go back to the gray lady. The New York Times front page. When Tom Grimes lost his job as a financial consultant 15 months ago, he called his congressman, a Democrat, for help getting government health care. Then he found a new full-time occupation, Tea Party activist. And let's stop right there. Tea Party. How dare they take on a moniker referential to that patriotic act of civil disobedience undergone by a group of middle-class Boston citizens in an occupied town garrisoned by armed, hostile British. How can these, these people that gather in lawn chairs in, what is it, Searchlight, Nevada, to hear Sarah Palin? I don't mean, it's the first time that Mussolini has ever won a beauty contest, that they're there to hear Sarah Palin tell them about what? Less government and lower taxes? It, it absolutely blows my mind and sends me into a cartwheel of despair. But there is a happy, shining city on the other end of that cartwheel because it bespokes the total disillusion of the right wing within American politics. Well, fondly to be desired by those of us who years ago really wanted the right wing to just go away. I'm not even talking about the fascists. That's the last eight years. We wanted them not only go away, but to stay away forever and also to go to jail and also to be declared war criminals. You know, real politics. No, but I mean, in, in, in this case, it's just, it's, it's a desperate situation. Without the GOP, and there really is no GOP anymore, there's Sarah Palin and then there's John McCain. There's a man to lead you into the future, right? Whoo! Anyway, there's nobody left. These people are marginalized into, into this kind of like conflict between the Christians who have all of these social issues and the Tea Partyists who are like getting energized because they're all out of work and they get a chance to meet each other in trailers and, and large deserts. It's, it, it, it's kind of a, kind of a neo-Christian burning man. You know, it, 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 it's got that feeling. Instead of tents filled with people doing public sex, it's like tents filled with people rediscovering themselves almost like Avon ladies of, of radical politics. It's just going nowhere. And then you've got Obama and a group of fairly hip politicians and social servants. Because remember, remember, Obama's Washington is the West Wing. Now you think about it. I worked in the Senate in the Kennedy administration. Yes, I'm already dead. This voice is coming to you through, uh, through the ether. I worked in the Kennedy administration, you know, and I knew, I know what it was like for people like myself and lots of other people to be drawn to Camelot. He'd drive by, you know, like 50 feet away from us in Washington when we came out of the Senate after a day's job and wave, of a, wave at us from his convertible. It was Camelot. Uh, I sat in Chester Bowles's uh, basement and sang my funny folk songs to Bobby Kennedy. It was Camelot. Well, it's not Camelot now. It's even better. It's the West Wing, an incredibly different and very bright and academically astute president, is surrounded by equally interesting, quirky, and intelligent people. Some very eccentric, Ram Emanuel, a, a nine-fingered former ballet dancer. I'm, excuse me. 
West Wing couldn't even come up with that. It's the West Wing, and it is drawing into Washington an incredible group of young people and middle-aged people who are there because of Obama's ideals. They come in and they are gender blind. And they are sexual orientation blind. They're agnostic in all the areas where other people want to make it black and white. They come to serve. And they're green. You can bet your bottom dollar that town is turning a shade of green. And after all of those people that the coup, the Bush coup, put into office are finally expunged, then we're going to have a truly green Washington. And it's going to have tremendous, in fact, it's already having tremendous reverberations. It's okay to be green now. It's okay to think that small is not only better, but more powerful and possibly the only way to get by. You know, you're not a kook anymore if you think less is more. It's kind of the new algebra. It's okay. We've been dealing with it underground for a long time, but now you can come up and take a breath of green air. It's going to change overnight. I mean, it's still Mordor in the middle of most of our cities, but the will is changing. Because what Obama represents is a focus of will, good will. He wants to reconcile. He wants to renew. You know, and this is this in a country that's gone through all of this, this misdirected and, and deceitful foreign affairs to find a man who really is a vessel of goodwill. Well, at first he appears to be a, a chump, a wuss, uh, uh, everything that you don't see advertised during the Super Bowl. And yet he is the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl has changed. It's not inside that dome anymore. It's a bigger dome. I think it's called the biosphere. You know, even bigger than the Superdome. And it, that's Obama's arena and that's Obama's game. And he can't play it alone. He's playing it with the best people around. They aren't sitting on lawn chairs, drinking sugared drinks and listening to Sarah Palin while the sun beats down on their poor Medicare bodies. And God bless them all. I mean, they, I hope that they just all want the right thing. But while they do that, the world is changing around them. The white gnomes in the GOP look out and see brown and Asian and black and mixtures thereof. And they see sexual relationships. They see gays bringing up children better than the evangelicals next door. And it's, it's very confusing. And all they can say is, no, no, you can't. You can't do that. There's something so Lewis Carroll about the whole thing. So. Tea Party. They've got to find a different moniker because they're not the patriots of 18th century Boston. No, they're not the people that went on to die uh, on Bunker Hill and, and freeze with Washington. Excuse the cliche, but they were there. Now, these folks are the, they come out of television. This is really, the Tea Party is a reality show where everybody gets to be kind of, if not famous, at least on camera for a short period of time. Even if it's only waving some yellow sign with a gun on it, threatening me with death, if I don't agree with some abstract principle like less taxes. I mean, I like less taxes. It's like when I used to do voiceover and they say, can, can, can we just have a little more in that that we want to like? <laughs> it's just like, 
drives you crazy. Less taxes. Which less taxes? Less taxes on corporations. Corporations that go overseas and don't pay us any taxes at all. All they leave us is toxic waste. Yeah, there are corporations that pay their taxes in toxic waste. It's an interesting concept. They don't let me pay my taxes in toxic waste. I could, but uh, I, I don't have the opportunity. I have to use pictures of dead presidents. So there you go. So it's going to be all right, just as long as we stay in this whole thing together. We've got the West Wing in Washington, right? We've got things going green. All we have to do is stay the course, and we're all going to get through this together. Is marijuana medicine? Scientific research does not indicate it is. All major national medical associations have rejected it. Wow, Ms. Calvina Fay and her organization seem pretty confident about what they're saying regarding medical marijuana. But is it true? When it comes to medical marijuana, I, I, I have more of a practical view than anything else. I mean, my attitude is, is that if, uh, if it's an issue of doctors prescribing medical marijuana as a uh, treatment for glaucoma or as a cancer treatment, uh, I think that should be appropriate because there really is no difference between that and a doctor prescribing morphine or anything else. Um, I think there are legitimate concerns in not wanting to allow uh, people to grow their own or start setting up mom and pop shops uh, because at that point it becomes fairly difficult to, to regulate. Hi, Mike. Hello, Peter. Uh, this yes. Uh, what do you do? You think do you think that uh, um, Obama's right that letting uh, mom and pop shops spring up all over the country makes it hard to uh, regulate? <laughs> I mean, tell us about Cornerstone. Tell us about what you're doing. Put us in perspective here, okay? Yeah, I mean, you know what we're doing at Cornerstone um, Research Collective, which is a medical marijuana dispensary located. Um, a few miles north of Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. What we're trying to do is, is we're trying to take a little bit more scientific approach to it. What we saw in Los Angeles initially was um, a, a lot of kind of local pot dealers uh, just getting a storefront. And um, they ended up looking like storefronts operated by local pot dealers. <laughs> there you go. That doctrine of identities really goes to, really goes to town. Yes. And? And so what we've been what we've been seeing, you know, is, you know, what we try to do differently is to try to bring a little bit more of the latest science about how marijuana works. Um, the interesting thing about marijuana has been that nobody really knew for a long time um, what was going on with with marijuana, what it was doing to people, how it worked, and um, and honestly, because of prohibition, that research has not progressed as much as we'd like. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to work with a large group of patients and um, share information between ourselves as far as, you know, what is what can this plant do? And, and you but you you're not only dispensing some of the very purest, you know, medical marijuana in Los Angeles. Aren't you affiliated with a lab in San Francisco that, that actually does the testing? Am, am I right there? Yeah, we've been working with a lab out of Oakland, outside of San Francisco, yeah. um, called uh, Steep Hill Collective, and um, 
They have a gas chromatography mass spectrometer, yep. which is a machine that can tell you what is in something and how much of it is there. There, there is only one problem. It's hard to say mass. What did you say that again? Say that word again. Uh, gas chromatography mass spectrometer. When you're high. That's, that's a little tough. You just stumble uh, on that. Yeah. You'll get used to it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and so you use, their, you use them to determine how much uh, active, I guess it would be tetrahydrocannabinol, there is in the various, uh, uh, what do you call it, brands, not brands of marijuana, but styles of marijuana. You've got, you, you have a whole, like, menu when you walk into Cornerstone. You get your choices. Tell us, give us the names and some of the potencies, some of the stuff that's available down there. Make the world drool. Right. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting because the one thing is the one thing that, that the lab has shown us is is that just knowing how much THC or some of the other cannabinoids might be present doesn't actually tell you much about the potential effects of that strain, and we don't really understand why yet. Really. So while we have a lot of we have a lot of interesting strains, we have um, the most potent strain that we get normally is a strain called. OG Kush, which uh, we think is a Thai-Nepalese cross, and um, tops out usually in the 20 to 22 percent range of THC. So we're crucified on a Thai-Nepalese cross, if we, in other words. Go ahead, no. All right, so the Thai, how, much, how much THC was that before I made that bad pun? Just... Um, about, I mean, it can get over 20 percent, wow. which is extraordinary to find any chemical naturally produced within a plant where it makes up one-fifth of the dry weight of the plant. That is, that's amazing. Think of it, if carrots were one-fifth carotene, your eyes would be yellow yeah. all the time. But you could see those Nazi fighters at night for that's miles right. ahead. Oh, yeah. So, so the 20, but give us, besides OG, does OG mean, what does the OG stand for in OG? Well, it originally, it originally meant um, ocean-grown, because I guess the story is, is that it came to coastal California in the early 90s. Yeah. And somebody said, "Oh wow, this tastes like that that mountain, that mountain cannabis." And they said, "No, no, that's ocean grown." Wow. Now, when it came down to L.A., OG in L.A. means original gangsta. Uh-huh, right. So, right. Uh, so now that you know, some people say, "Oh, it stands for you know original gangsta Kush," but the truth is, it stands for ocean grown. You know, the first, I heard Kush recently. There's a great rapper group called Nappy Roots, and they talk about doing Kush. You know, so I guess it's it's become a it's become kind of a, a word across the whole culture, don't you think? Yeah, and it's funny because it's misused a lot. It's used as a is almost like a sales term down here now, um, <laughs> where where everything's a kush. You walk into a lot of these shops and how your friends blueberry kush, <laughs> yeah, blueberry kush. How are you, friends? Hey. Kush, we got kush. Sit down on your tush and have some kush. Give us some some of the names. What about that stuff called silver or something, which is made up of two hundred and something different varieties of Oh, super silver haze. Silver haze. Yeah, I, I forgot. Silver, silver haze. I don't think it's maybe two hundred varieties. It's, it's quite a few. I mean, um, a lot of these. What we saw in California, starting in the late sixties and early seventies, and you guys were a part of it, um, was uh, this grand underground genetics experiment, yeah. where um, growers would bring um, marijuana seeds back to California from Nepal, Afghanistan the whole hippie backpacker trail, mm-hmm. and then um, breed these strains together and, and test them on, you know, unsuspecting radio comedy hosts. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I'll tell that story someday. Not now, but I will tell that story that involves me and Phil Proctor and David Crosby and some brownies later. So, yes, <laughs> later for that Later story. for the brownie story. 
So, Mike, I understand that there's a real now, there's a real attempt within Los Angeles to regulate medical marijuana shops. That there's a crazy DA out there, or whatever he is. Tell us that story, would you? Well, it's not really a crazy DA. I mean, I mean, what's happening is is that um, our, our county, Los Angeles County District Attorney Steve Cooley, um, has taken a very, very aggressive posture. Um, that may or may not be supported in the courts for very long. Uh-huh. Um, um, my feeling is is that what he's saying is he's saying all cannabis sales under Prop 215, which is the California law that legalized medical marijuana yeah. or, or allowed mar- medical marijuana to be used as a comp- under a compassionate use. Yes. Um, anyway, he fights against that. He basically says that that um, you can't walk into a dispensary and buy marijuana that's illegal uh-huh. and the way we look at it um and the legal opinion that we're operating beneath is that what's really happening is is you're basically paying us as a member of our if you're a member of our collective you're basically incrementally reimbursing us for the cost of growing this cannabis on your behalf uh-huh yeah so it- it's it's a fine line but um, we think it, it, we, we're standing on solid legal ground using this argument. Well, you, you're smoking something good. I love it. I love the idea. Well, thank you, Michael. This, I hope, again, this will be the first of many uh, callbacks to find out what's going on because, you know, it, it, Obama, what was it, a couple of months ago, told the DEA, look, if you want to know what the, our lowest priority is, it's raiding medical marijuana clinics. If you're doing that, you're at the bottom. You touch bottom. Pete, that's raiding them. Well, yeah. What we need here is rating them. Yeah, well, Mike and, and, and Cornerstone definitely gets a number one. I mean, it's 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 the coolest place in town. I know personally, going in there is like it's 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 so cool. It's Tibetan. I don't know what to tell you. It's just so great. Thank you so much, Mike. Okay. Thanks a lot, Peter. Oh. Thanks, Dave. See so ya. long, Mike. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Well, a story in the um, Seattle newspaper. There's only one. Oh, the yeah. Times, yeah. This, uh, the story, uh, lead story on the front page of the Sunday uh, paper just two days ago was that everybody in Washington State is going to be doing real well with medical marijuana. Oh, it's, uh, oh yeah, it's definitely an uptick. Yep, lead lead story. Wow. Well, it's, it, it, it's come so quickly. Part of it has to do with the fact that the libertarians, and to a certain degree some Republicans, are getting behind it because the idea is you cannot re- refuse medicine to the, to the sick. This whole health care debate has begun to make that quite obvious. It's cost-free. There you go. Yeah. It's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's good for states. There's money in it. Yeah. There's, there's employment in it. There's the end of a lot of ridiculous persecution of people for absolutely no reason whatsoever, except, I don't know, the guy who fell asleep on the job on the atomic submarine, I'm worried about him. Yeah. But right. but aside from that guy, you know, and I know him personally, yeah. uh, I, I, I wouldn't really worry about the effective pot on the working man, no, you know? Doesn't get in the way at all. I mean, I uh, mean can you imagine going to work when you know, all you got is barrels of beer and gin? There's two things you can drink. You can drink gin and you gin can and drink beer. Gin and beer, or you can drink them together. I mean, the problem probably smoking wow. on the job is you take a puff and you go, I don't want to do this. You know, that's what they were afraid of. 
I don't want to do take this. Take yourself back to 1933, man. They're all going to say they don't want to work. Yeah, I mean, they'll take a look at this. See, this has no meaning. I'm going to go searching for meaning. <laughs> I'm going to cut the soles off of my sh- uh, yeah, shoes, yeah. learn to play the flute, and sit in a tree. There you go. There you go. And not go to work at, uh, you know, either Warner Brothers or General Motors, depending on what your predilection for work might be. Well, medical marijuana, I don't know if it's going to save the world, but I know it's a $40 billion industry in the state of California and Schwarzenegger has said he's on record saying well, you want to you want to you want to take care of this budget crisis tax pot tax pot and of course the libertarians are not in favor of uh, you know I mean and why would I mean the only reason the Republican the only reason a, a you know a politico would be opposed to medical marijuana is if they're just absolutely opposed to anything yeah, you know, and that's possible. Those guys are out there, but you know, just pot in general, it would ease a lot of things off, man. Nineteen seventy-two was almost legal, you know, almost legal in seventy-two in California. Senators would say, "Oh yeah, I smoke pot, didn't hurt me at all. I'm going to grow a beard." First beard in the Senate guy grows uh, smokes pot and he grows a beard. It was crazy back then, you know. Well, I I went to a party in in Laurel Canyon in the early seventies. Uh, Jerry Brown's house, and there were joints on the table. I mean, butts in 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 the um, uh, ashtrays, and butts and trays, butts and trays. Saying. And you know, Jerry Brown has always said, "I don't smoke, I don't smoke." Maybe he doesn't, but people around him do. And he's running for governor, governor. I and mean, certainly he's happy the way things are. Yeah. No. Well, what not to ask? Answer me this question, Pete. Please. What does the Pope think about pot? I don't know what the Pope thinks about pot. The Pope is besieged. I love the irony. I hate what's going on, and you know, I, I hate the the all of the. Uh, all of the abuse. I mean, I hate the fact that, that these these young kids had to go through all this awful stuff because they were the entire un- country of Ireland had to go through it. Yeah, come on. Yeah, the Archbishop of Canterbury just said that that the church is no longer relevant in Ireland. I mean, whoa, <laughs> that's scary. It's it's the the Ratzinger, the Rat, as I like to call him, or Ratso. Uh, Worked so hard to become the Pope. They say, well, he didn't really want to be the Pope. Yes, he wanted to be the Pope. Little did he know that what would follow him was this this scandal, this 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 whole church practice that they all pretty much took for granted. Oh, you know, it's really not so much. It's really the kids are lying, or it's you know, it's it's a fantasy, or we can't hurt the church. It's going to bring them down. But they're their own country, Pete. I mean, what are you going to do? There's the country. If they retreat finally back to the Vatican City, you know, you got to send your ambassador. Well, it, Hello, Mr. Pope. Yeah, Mr. Pope. Could you let me in, Mr. Pope? I, I have a, I have an appointment out here, Swiss guards. Clang! No chance. Man. Well, they, they said they were going to try and um, uh, arrest him, citizens arrest when he went to, no, not to Malta. When he comes to the, to the UK, uh, Christopher Hitchens, uh, who we'll hear in just a second about the Pope, uh, said, Along with Dawkins, the big—they're um, both athe- atheists, so they don't have any—they don't have any emotional ties to the Pope. He says you should arrest him. And he said for abuse, and then and the church came back and said, no, you can't. He's the um, reigning head of a of a of an independent government. You can't touch him. Fact is, he's not. They're not part of the United Nations. They are permanent observers. It is not a country. Hitchens is really strong on the Pope. Let's give him a listen. Should we in this country, I mean, have you not read what's been happening in Wisconsin? Yes, I, I, I have. A school for children who can only use sign Correct. language. And 200, 200. Of them have, their chi- have their childhoods completely wrecked yeah. by this priest. And entreaties are addressed to the man who is now Pope. 
Cardinal Ratzinger, the man who was saying at the time that the only problem with the scandal was there was a press campaign against the church. The abuse was not the problem. Oh, well, looks like the devil got to Pope and the debt bubble got me. Yes, Father uh, Gabriel Amorth, uh, the chief exorcist for the Holy See. Yeah, that man over there, he's the chief exorcist. Those over there, they're kind of like a sub-chief and all that group over there just learning to exercise. But this guy here, Father Gabriel Amorth, he's the chief exorcist for the Holy See. Well, he said in Rome that... Uh, the New York Times coverage of Pope Benedict, which cast doubt on his rigor in dealing with pedophile priests, was, and I quote the exorcist, prompted by the devil. There is no doubt about it, the 85-year-old priest said, according to the Catholic News Agency, quote, because he is a marvelous pope and worthy successor to John Paul II. It is clear that the devil wants to grab hold of him. So... It's the devil inside the Pope. We're going to have to exercise the Pope. Now, that's news. That's something I want to watch. That's got to be public because how are we to believe that the devil has been dragged out of the Pope unless we can see it happen? We saw it in the movie, The Exorcist. I mean, is the, is the Pope going to, like, spit green vomit and is it gonna spin around? Is, is the Vatican suddenly going to be, like, 20 degrees colder than Rome? Well, I can't wait. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm all for him. I hope he pulls the devil out of him and starts talking about all the pedophilia and forget about, uh, you know, uh, infallibility and all that other stuff. That must be devil talk also. Anyway, he's the um, first in line of a very troubled church. Uh, the, the Bishop of Canterbury, which is the head of the Anglican Church, and I had a real interesting run-in with one of the bishops of Canterbury. I was uh, touring England. It was early in the morning. I was in uh, Kent, uh, York, excuse me, the town of York. And I went over to the York Cathedral early in the morning. And this young man comes running by, putting on his religious vestments. And it turns out he was that, at that point, the bishop of Canterbury. Young guys. They've got young guys, and they're fairly radical. Now, the latest one, in a BBC interview recently... Um, described the abuse scandal, this is the abuse scandal in, in Ireland particularly, as a colossal trauma for Ireland. He made no direct reference to the personal controversy that has swirled around the Pope in the wake of accusations that he failed to act strongly, strongly enough against pedophile priests. I guess he doesn't know that, that the Pope has the devil in him. And the devil just won't let him do nothing but say stupid things about it. So Archbishop Williams, the head of the Worldwide Anglican Communion, which claims 70 million ad adherents, was unusually blunt. And I quote the Bishop of Canterbury. Okay. I was speaking to an Irish friend recently who said that it's quite difficult in some parts of Ireland to go down the street wearing a clerical collar now, he said. And an institution so deeply bound into the life of the society suddenly becoming... Irrelevant, losing all of its credibility, that's not just a problem for the church. It's a problem for everybody in Ireland. <clears throat> the church is, is, is losing its credibility in Ireland, and the, the pope is, is, is struggling with the devil. These are like not hot times for the Catholic church. Well, <clears throat> we've got our own problems over here. You know, we, we're, we don't have a problem with the devil. We got a problem with the dead bubble. The dead bubble made me do it. The dead bubble made me do it. 
The problem is that our economy is no longer based really on manufactured goods. There's a little paper pushing and some lowball entertainment like this. But generally, most of the assets are debt assets. I go out to dinner and uh, sign my credit card slip and immediately becomes an asset in some company. Oh, they're doing well. Peter Bergman owes them another $10. As if I could pay. Okay. So, so the debt bubble. Everything's okay, man. The internet's going up. It's over 11,000, whatever that means. Bubble, bubble, bubble. But it turns out, okay, that in February of 2010, uh, this is, of course, the month that comes directly after January of 2010, when uh, borrowing, which is, you know, auto loans and credit cards were up, were up considerably. The, the economists got around and said, we're doing well. I, things, remember they told you? We'd reached the bottom in January. There's light at the end of the carpal tunnel. Whatever they said, they said, they said okay, they got all these economists together. And I was almost one of them. I, I actually started in, in graduate school in economics for a brief time until I was bored out of my mind. So it puts all of these economists together and they say, oh, things are good. We're going to, we're going to go up $500 million in borrowing uh, auto loans and credit cards in February of 2010. They were just a little off. We lost $11.5 billion in credit borrowing. They were only off by $12 billion. So, I don't think we can count on the economists to show us the way. Maybe GM can do it because GM is happy to announce that in the last half of 2009, they only lost $4.3 billion. Okay? Now, they're 60% owned by the United States government at this point, which is our form of state capitalism. Tea Party's wrong. It's not socialism. It's state capitalism. We bought their stock. We didn't take them over. We're, this is like our first taste of China. I don't know which way we're going, but okay, here's the good news though. With why This is why everybody over there in Detroit at the uh, corporate headquarters of General Motors is so happy because they have been awarded the opportunity to use a new technique called fresh start accounting. This is something that has been figured out by the United States government. So General Motors can now use fresh start accounting. And they say they're very happy because it, re it takes a look at their assets and they're worth a lot more than they thought they were. Well, I, where do I apply for this? Okay, maybe I can't get some of that $150,000 in rucksack money that's going around Afghanistan. Maybe maybe I can't get my hands on that. And, and maybe I can't pay off my, uh, my taxes with toxic waste the way most corporations can. But I would like to get a chance to like try some fresh start accounting. That sounds like something that would help me, help me get out of this morass. I feel like, remember Woman in the Dunes? A long time ago, it was one of those really, really narrative films. She's down in this sand dune. She keeps trying to get out, and she can't because she can't get any grip on the side of the dunes. That's how I feel economically right now. I need some fresh start accounting. One, two, three, four. Dirty day goes by the Sirens wail The babies cry Hey 
Rocky Highway Screaming and yelling, get out of my way Hey, get me out of here Getting lost is a matter of fact If you can't find your way, you'll never get back No, 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 no There's a tattooed punk chick and a surfer dude Rollerblading trying to catch the groove Hey, get me out of here money and you take your chances forget about all the cheesy romances hey get me out of here Listen, this bar doesn't serve anything but 69-cent bar scotch. That's all you get here. It's good? It's terrible. i tell you something. I took 43 drinks waiting to get on a plane from Burbank to Oxnard yes. yesterday. Yeah, I have waited down. That's at inter, uh, inter, inter, Interplanetary Airport uh, Central, right. yes. Right, Contrapole. Right. Yeah, well, it's, it's as close as possible to, to where I live, if you want to call out a living. I understand. 65 drinks you took. 40, uh, 48, actually. That was a good year for Bar Scott. I was absolutely destroyed. I got up to 20,000 feet, and I began to see people with weapons in the plane. I began, no. Oh, yeah, right. Well, they were there, of course. Oh, well. But you can't see them until you get there. All right. Is everybody here now? I think we can begin. <coughs> the president has asked us... President! ...to write... God bless the Fred. president! All right, Fred. I know we God all God bless the president! All right. All right. Please, gentlemen. Gentlemen, please. Is this microphone on here? Please. Uh, the president has asked us to communicate with those countries who are presently growing marijuana and uh, 
poppies. I I hope I know Jimmy that you're going to say that the artificial poppies that you give out as part of the veterans program will be affected by this. It is not true. You cannot smoke those. No, we never. They are inflammable. We, as a matter we, of fact, we never. We Can never. Turn his microphone. Thank on, you right? very Thank much. You, Thank you, Senator. As we never have any uh, any uh, uh, we never smoke any of those poppies right. at all. They're right. they're for medicinal purposes and they're to right. be swallowed whole. Anyway, except for a little seed. I think we should all. Get Get behind this effort and push him over the top and get these countries, these nasty countries, to stop growing this stuff so that we can get a market on it here at home. I think that's lucky strike green is going to hit the streets, right. right? Keep the problem in the pockets of the businessmen. That's you, what I you, say. You better believe it, friend. And let's back the president all the way up there. I backed him yesterday into the swimming pool, and I nearly lost all of my senatorial privileges. For example, I can't go to the electric wee-wee room anymore. Yeah, well, that's since the French have come, right? Yes. Ever since they started speaking German on the first floor, I can't get anything worthwhile to eat except a little beer brat. Have any of you tried to run the maze on the fifth floor? Oh, no. Oh, I can't. They wouldn't give me a key to the fifth floor. That's they, where they keep no? the secretary. I no. live in an office that used to be Ralph Nader's. Oh, no, really? That is the Nader. <laughs> that, that, that's a pun. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, gentlemen, I think that's really enough sorry. for today. Let's all retire into the retirement of... room and have a little drinky drink. Yeah. 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 Live from the Senate bar. Those well, guys... L let me give some context on that, sure, just so, because sure. I, I didn't introduce it. That's from Firesign Theater's Dear Friends radio shows back in the early 70s, mm -hmm. all improvised. Um, we just get around a, a table there. I think that, that one took place at KPFK, the Pacifica station in Los Angeles, and we just let it rip. Had a good time on those shows, just like we're having a good time on this one. But, uh, you know, this whole issue of, you know, medical marijuana and... And the Pope, and you know, it drives one to drink, really. And uh, I, I'd like to drive at somebody to to a drink with this poem. This is from the Tang Dynasty, which is like 750 or something. Is that when they they, had, they invented that powdered? Uh, That's the powdered orange juice. Powdered orange That's juice. the stuff, right? Yeah, right, right? It dates all the way back. This guy was waking up drunk on powdered orange juice on a spring day. Okay. okay. Life is a huge dream. Why work so hard? All day long, I drink, lying outside the front door, awakening, looking up through the trees in the garden, and one bird singing in the flowers. Bird, what season is this? Spring, I'm a mango bird, and the spring wind makes me sing. Now I grow sad, very sad. So I have some more wine, and I sing out loud until the bright moon rises. What was I upset about? I, I, I can't remember. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. I'm with the Chinese. Well, that's Oz in your ears, Radio Free Oz, for Tuesday, April 27th, 2010. My co-host, David Osmond. Yo. Our producer, uh, Bill McIntyre, our studio engineer, audio engineer here, the man who runs Blue U here on the Emerald Isle, is Dave Maloney. We have John Cumming as our technical whiz and the Oz Design Group, all the prettiness up on RadioFreeOz.com. That's under the able hand of Phil Fountain. Get him, Fountain.